We're going to read this morning from the book of Philemon. A very, very short little book in the New Testament, almost a postcard rather than a letter. Uh, page 269 in the Bibles, if you want to turn it up. Um, that's the book of Philemon, page 269. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker. To Appia, our sister. To Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith, so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement, because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Therefore, O in Christ, I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do. Yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. I then, as Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, who became my son when I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favour you do will be spontaneous and not forced. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was so that you might have him back for good, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, I'm writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one thing more, prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. As And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. It's New Year. Um, many people will be making New Year's resolutions. Um, many people will be carefully avoiding New Year's resolutions. If you do make any, maybe to exercise more or eat better, or perhaps as a Christian, you know, to read your Bible more regularly or pray more faithfully, uh, that's all good. But because I think we live in a world that is individualistic, that is focused on ourselves, most of the resolutions that most of us make tend to be focused very much on ourselves, because we do live in a world that is says that life is all about you. It's about finding your own purpose. It's about choosing your own values. It's about discovering your own way to fulfillment. So even our efforts to be better and have a better life tend so very, very often to be focused on ourselves. So all of those resolutions may be good things, but 
This morning, I wanted to look at the letter to Philemon because I think it does show us uh, a better way than the individualistic way of the world. It shows that trying to make your own value, you will find your own purpose, is ultimately the way to emptiness, to disappointment, and to weariness. And also that a life focused on yourself or a faith that is private and very much just about you and God is not ultimately the way to joy, satisfaction, to fulfillment, to being the person you are called and meant to be. Now, I say this to a group of people, many, many of you have been loving other people, serving in the church, serving outside the church, loving people outside the church for many years. So all of us, hopefully, have begun to make some progress with this. But even then, the world messages us with bombards us with messages that say everything is about you. And so it can be hard to put the reality of what the Bible says about life that is really shared, life that is really about giving and serving and loving into practice. So we're going to step back and particularly this morning look at one verse that helps us to see that our own growth as human beings is deeply, deeply tied to loving and serving others. Because it's when we serve in love that we grow, that we grow together, we grow in faith particularly. We're going to look at Philemon 6. Um, It is a slightly difficult verse to translate. We'll see that in a few minutes. Um, So I'm going to ask you to maybe think a little harder, look a little bit at different uh, translations and things, more than we would normally. But it's a very, very important verse. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Now, just to step back a moment and consider the letter we're reading. It's a very little letter. It's also very unusual. Of all the letters in the New Testament, this is the one that's most individual. It's written to one man, really, Philemon. Um, We see that in verses 1 to 3. This is a, a dear friend, a fellow worker, of the Apostle Paul. In other words, someone who has worked with the missionary Apostle Paul to spread the good news about Jesus. And now he's back in his hometown, and now there's a church meeting in his house. Obviously, this is before church building, this is before Christianity being legal, so there is no church building. People come to Philemon's house each Sunday, and probably more often than that. Um, probably shouldn't imagine four or five people sitting around having coffee in a sitting room. Uh, wealthy people in those days would have quite big halls in their houses where you could gather, like a community hall, you could gather a a, a good bunch of people either standing or or sitting on benches, closely packed in. But this guy, he is key to the church in this little town of Colossae. And even though it's a letter to him, it's not a private letter. You notice he says it's also to Apia, our sister, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church. In other words, even though nearly everything that we're going to see in this week and next is, is written to Philemon, it's, it, this is a message for him, it's also going to be read out in church. Uh, it's quite personal. I, I don't know how you would feel about um, having your dirty laundry aired in front of the church on Sunday, but that's what's going to happen for Philemon. The issues raised in the letter will affect everyone, and so it has to be read for everyone. You see, Philemon and his slave, Onesimus, have fallen out. That raises our hackles already as soon as we hear the word slave, doesn't it? Probably Onesimus has stolen from Philemon and run away. And he's come to the Apostle Paul. And he's become a Christian. 
And not only that, he's become, like Philemon in fact, he's become a fellow worker with Paul for the gospel. He is very dear to Paul. But Paul wants not just Onesimus to stay with him, he wants Philemon and Onesimus not just to forget and forgive each other. He wants a real reconciliation between them. And he wants Philemon to stop seeing this man Onesimus as a slave, but instead to see him as a brother in Christ. He wants a new relationship of love and respect to be built between them. As you can imagine, it's a very important little letter for understanding the way that the, the Bible and the Christian church opposed slavery. We're going to see a little bit more of that story and what it means for us at the moment next week. But for now, we need that background in our mind because we're just looking at the very beginning of the letter. What we see today is firstly that faith leads to sharing and sharing leads to growing. Fairly simple little message. So firstly, faith leads to sharing. The, the first section of the letter, like so many, is a prayer. Uh, it's a prayer, first of all, of thanks. And then, as I say in verse 6, um, a prayer, it shows us what the Apostle Paul is praying for this man, Philemon. Um, I switched to another translation, the ESV here, so that a more literal <coughs> translation for reasons I'll make clear in a minute. But it says, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for Christ Jesus. So we're going to focus in the first part on the, the first words of that. I pray the sharing of your faith. The sharing, the fellowship, in fact, that comes from faith. I think a lot of us, uh, just to start with a potential misunderstanding, most of us, when we see the phrase sharing of our faith, if we've been in church for a long time, if we use that phrase, we would mean by it evangelism, sharing the gospel with other people who aren't yet Christians. Uh, so that they can discover what Jesus offers them, what he's done for us, his love, his forgiveness. That's what Christians usually mean by that phrase. It's a good phrase. Uh, and it's a great thing. And I hope that you want to do that more and more. And I'm sure you will grow in your faith as you do that more and more. But it isn't what it means here. And it isn't, in fact, the Bible actually doesn't use that phrase that, that way. The truth here is about a different kind of sharing. Um, now, rather than me just telling you what I think it means, or uh, I'm going to compare three different translations of the verse. This is something you could do yourself if you come to a difficult verse in the Bible. You can compare different translations of the Bible, and it, it can help you see um, different angles on the same truth. Um, even if you don't have multiple Bibles in your house, you know, apps on your phone, like the Bible app, or uh, websites like Bible Gateway can help you do this really well. You can see the, the top, uh, basically, we're seeing different ways that one word can be translated, so that even then we can see what that word could mean or could not mean. So the first translation we have here is our own Bibles from the church. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith. And then the one in the middle that I just read, the ESV, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective. The, the big surprise comes with the last one, the, the updated version of the Church Bible, Thin I read. It says, I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective. And that's quite a different word, isn't it? But sharing and partnership can mean the same thing. Um, partnership here, it, it's a different angle on the same idea of, of sharing. 
It's a word you'd use for people with a shared mission or a shared purpose. It's what you have with a business partner or a spouse. And in fact, if you did look at the Greek, the word koinonia, which, which this translates, it is, it could be translated either way, sharing or partnership. It's that kind of sharing. Now, if we carry on from that detail, we'll see that Philemon is full of that kind of sharing. As we said, the church meets in his house. He's a hospitable kind of person. Imagine having the whole church across your house every Sunday. Probably a little bit of hard work. And especially because in those days, much like Scottish society for a long time, tea and biscuits doesn't cut it after the service. That's not a proper welcome. This guy's probably feeding the entire church. Paul has also heard about Philemon's faith. His faith in the Lord Jesus and his love for all the saints. In other words, his, his faith results in love for God's people. As uh, real faith in God always does. Love for the saints, not of course um, special and particular Christians, but as always in the New Testament, saints just means all those who trust in Jesus. This faith and this love go together. Verse 7 tells us what great joy seeing this love has given Paul. He's heard what Philemon's doing, in other words. He's refreshed the hearts of the saints. He's not just generous. He doesn't just have people around and grudgingly. He's someone, if, you, if, he, if he is kind to you, or if you eat him, his kindness and his generosity refreshes you. It comforts you. It rests you. If you're weary, if you're discouraged, he's someone, you come away feeling better after meeting this guy. That is, in other words, his sharing, his partnership in the gospel. Uh, notice, it doesn't say he's a teacher or a minister. It doesn't say he's preaching. He's someone who, probably largely by practical ways, generosity, because he's a rich guy, is serving and loving the people around him. Philemon's faith has led him to sharing with the church. It's led to a kind of partnership with Paul and with the church in his own town, in the church's work, and in love for the church. The prayer here is that that sharing, that partnership, become effective. Um, just to bring that into the modern day, I think of a, a young businessman uh, that we knew a few years back. Um, he owned a coffee shop. Um, and like Philemon, he was well off, better off probably than most of us. Um, before he was a Christian, uh, he worked very hard. He was very good at his job. He loved coffee, still does. And he spent the money he made on mostly on smoking things he shouldn't have smoked, hanging around with his friends, having great parties, um, but not really satisfied. When he became a Christian and his faith transformed him, he carried on with his business, but he began to use it when he could uh, as an opportunity for the church. It's a great place to run a church event that's sort of unthreatening, very easy for people to come into who would never come into the church. He was someone also who would talk about the gospel with regular customers and things like that. He also shared his house. Um, he carried on having his parties, possibly with slightly fewer substances involved, but he fed people good food. He welcomed people in. He did that for the church to, to help bind people together, but he also, whenever he could, he, he was just hospitable and kind to those who needed it, and he drew people into the church community so that they could begin to feel part of things, get to know people, and bit by bit come to know Jesus as well. In other words, he took what he had before, and he used it for sharing partnership in the work of the church. It was a total reorientation 
from sort of me focus to sharing with others. Now, most of us do not own coffee shops. Um, most of us are not well off. But this should still encourage us because it shows that people with very different gifts can contribute to the church in very different ways. Paul, sorry, Philemon doesn't need to be a teacher or a preacher to do this. As Paul puts it in Ephesians 4, the church is one body. Every person in it is different. Every person has different gifts to help and grow the church. From the smallest things, um, helping with the coffee rotor, um, which is a real bit of partnership in the church's work because it does real good, um, through to simple things, smiling at someone who needs it, um, through to more difficult relational things, because Philemon is doing all this, but Philemon's going to be challenged in the second half, as you will see next week. You see, Philemon has fallen up with Onesimus, often making up with the people in the church who he's fallen out with, or find difficult, is one of the most difficult aspects of real partnership, getting on with the people we find hardest. Philemon, before he became a Christian, would never have dreamed that anyone would dare ask him what Paul is going to ask him about the way he's going to treat this slave in essence, let alone that he would actually do it. He's going to make up with this guy and love him in a new way. The call is the same to us. God delights in that sacrificial sharing that comes out of our faith, that grows out of a trust in him. Many of you are serving, loving, giving in so many different ways. And God sees that. And as, Philemon, as Paul prays for Philemon, we pray that God will bless you through it. He will grow you. So many different ways we can do it. Gener generosity with money, by visiting the lonely or the sick, by listening those to those who need to talk, by encouraging people. So many different ways. And of course, by praying, which is always a critical component of the church's work. He that is, that is, a sharing, a partnership in the work of the church, in God's work, and in loving one another. Now, onto the second half of the verse. Sharing leads to growing. You see, Paul thanks God for the way Philemon's faith leads to sharing, but he also asks for something for Philemon. He wants that faith worked out in sharing to lead to Philemon's own growth. Christians do not grow well on their own. Um, I, I'm sure many of us were reminded of that during lockdown. Um, being by yourself is not great for your faith. We need our church communities. Um, if you still doubt it, then you can read memoirs of people who have spent time in solitary confinement. Someone like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, whose letters and papers from prison are amazing, but definitely sure he's going around the bend after a while. Or Richard Wormrand, a pastor in the Romanian church who had long years of solitary confinement. His sermons from solitary confinement tell us that he is quite clear that though God kept him trusting, he was losing his grip, not just on his sanity, but in the end, on his faith in some ways. Many of the thoughts expressed in these sermons, I no longer agree with myself anymore. In other words, I said some stupid things when I was by myself. I needed other Christians to set them right. This, and then he said of his own sermons that he'd written, then the sermons of a pastor whose pillars of reason rocked under the stream. There were times I was near to apostasy. He was a bold and courageous man who stood up for Christ, but without other Christians to encourage him, he really struggled. We need one another. 
always pray that that sharing, that partnership, will work out the opposite of that kind of solitary Christian life. That it may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Full knowledge, full understanding of every good thing. In other words, he's saying, I pray all your hospitality, all your everyday but wonderful generosity will lead you to a deep, wonderful grasp of the riches you share in Christ with your fellow Christians. Now just think about that for a moment. It's a strange statement. You can easily imagine someone saying, you know, share and be generous, because then you'll grow in loving people and generosity and kindness. But he doesn't say that. He says that it will lead to a new understanding of what God has done for us, of the things that we have in Christ. We tend to separate learning and becoming a, de a better person. We think that to learn to understand is mainly about studying or reading or hearing a lecture or a sermon. And we need all of that. But Paul is saying there is a deeper knowledge of these things. The knowledge of knowing and feeling these things in your bones that will only come when you put what you learn into practice and share it with other Christians. When we work out together in partnership with our fellow Christians, sharing the work of spreading the gospel or being generous or looking after and caring for the needy or the lonely, loving and serving, we discover we have a new awareness of the reality and the depth of what Jesus has done for us. So what are these things he's talking about that are in us for the sake of Christ? Well, the letter to Philemon was sent along with another letter, the letter to the Colossians. And in Colossians 1.27, he reminds us of how God has made known the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus Christ, when you become a Christian, lives in you. And because of that, you have the hope of glorious life with God forever, because of his indestructible life working inside us. Christianity, as we've said so many times before, is not just a matter of we believe and then God does something on the outside of us. It's something God does deep inside us, something wonderful when Christ comes himself and lives in our hearts. And this Christ, Colossians says, who lives within us, is the one in whom all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, all the secrets of how to live well and to live in the way that God calls us to. Or over in 1 Corinthians, um, Christ Jesus has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, our holiness, our redemption. Through him we're made right with God, clean and righteous in his sight. Because of his death, we're made holy in God's eyes. Through him we're redeemed, we're rescued. Indeed, the book of Colossians makes so clear we need nothing for our Christian growth that is not found in Jesus Christ. But back to Philippians, Philippians, sorry. It is when we share, when we have that partnership together, we, we work together, oh God, that we discover the full knowledge of those things. We on our own do not have all we need to grow as Christians. We cannot grow just by ourselves. As I serve you, I begin to discover the resources Christ gives me to serve you. Because that's how Christ gives. He, he gives his gifts, not for our own selfish use, not just to keep up in store for ourselves, but for giving and loving and serving others. And so as we serve, we discover what he's doing. And we discover, too, what he's doing to rescue me, as well as to serve and love others through us. 
And at the same time, of course, as I work together with you, I begin to discover the wonders of the gifts he's given you. I see the work of Jesus Christ as Jesus Christ himself is working through you. Rescuing you, redeeming you first of all, forgiving you, changing you, preparing you, making you into someone you ready to serve him. And I see in you things I can never see in myself. I'm blind to them in myself so often. I need to see God at work in you to be reminded of the power of his work. And so that sacrificial loving service binds us together. And when it does, we discover that Christ has been working together in our midst all along. So as we give ourselves, as we work together in sharing and partnership, we discover the depths of what Jesus has done for us, not just for us, but very much in us. I don't know if you've noticed over the years that the most dissatisfied members of any church are almost always people who give nothing to it, who sit on the fringes of it. They will notice its many flaws, because frankly, if we're in a church for any length of time, we will notice it's quite a lot of flaws, full of flawed human beings and full of messes. And after a while, those people begin to say, this church isn't meeting my needs, and they will be absolutely right. Because a church cannot meet your needs when you don't give and serve in it, when you don't love other people in it. Not necessarily formally on the rotas, certainly not necessarily up front. But unless you're giving and loving the people in that church, unless you're in sacrificial partnership with them, it will not meet your needs. But when you do, you notice the opposite. The most joyful, thankful, satisfied members of the church are those who have the deepest grasp on their hearts of the gospel are also people who are giving and loving and serving with all their hearts. In Jesus' famous words, it's more blessed to forgive than to receive. They find that out. Because the richest life is to be found in serving him together as he served us. For myself. You know, I grew up in a good church, learned lots of good things, but when I really come to grips with them, when I really begin to have be able to reshape my life in obedience to him, I think very much it was when I came into a church in a Christian union where I was given the opportunity to serve and love others. I needed that. Hopefully I didn't damage to any other people in the process, but it did me good. You see, Jesus has given us everything, ultimately. He's the one who reigns over the universe, and he lives in our hearts, ready to give us all what we need to build each other up. He's made us, he's rescued us, he's filled us, and he blessed us. And we will have our eyes open to the wonder of that when we are willing to serve and love each other together. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pray with Paul. We pray that same prayer that the partnership and the self-sacrifice and the self-giving that is already in this room in so many different ways would bear fruit, that it would be effective, that it would result in a greater, deeper, more wonderful grasp of what you do in us, what you have done for us, that we would feel it and know it in new ways. We also pray that in the coming year you would help us to give more gladly and serve more willingly, that in the process we will discover ever more joy and satisfaction in knowing you, in knowing your gifts, 
and know your grace.